0: Wow. I love you guys. I don't get here near as much as I wish I could. Um, I'm going to wander a bit. That's okay. Um, yeah, I just, I actually had a dream last night or this morning and I kind of woke up in the presence of the Lord and of have Just thank Jesus for my husband who can figure out how to deal with that. (laughs) And I've stayed in that place. And honestly, I've probably been crying more than anything else all morning. And I was like, okay, I'm going to not cry. But as soon as I stood up up here, I started crying. So um, I don't know. (laughs) He's so beautiful. And his ways are so good and perfect. Wow. So I think rather than um, trying to actually give you some kind of theological message, I'll just bring you to where I am. It's way better than all that. (laughs) Um, Wow, thank you, Jesus. You can just even close your eyes and way down deep in the center of yourself you'll feel your spirit and it is there and it knows where jesus is wow and you can come there anytime it's a blessed best place in the world to hang out on a good day or a bad day okay Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll get to a scripture when I can read, but it may be a few minutes. Um, Lord, I just pray for every person in this house, every being that is here, that they would experience your glorious splendor, and that they would experience the relentless pursuit of your love, and they would experience the purity of your eyes looking at them, and not seeing a collection of all of their mistakes, but that they would see in your eyes your truth, which is that you created them to be everything that you ever hoped and desired. and that from the very beginning of time that you imagine them with glory inside. And then when you look at them, you see one that is without spot or wrinkle, without blemish, Infused with your glory and your splendor, called to sit with you forever at your side. Wow, thank you, Jesus. He is, in the Song of Songs, it says, there's a scripture that t- describes Jesus as one who would leap over mountains and climb through valleys for you. And I think that sometimes in religion, we're, we can get convinced that we're the one that has to climb all the mountains and we're the one who has to go through all the valleys to get to God, but that's a lie. God climbed the mountain and he went through the valley and he went to the pit of hell to get to you. And there is no place on this earth that you will ever find yourself that is too far away for him to find you and for him to come after you and for him to get you from and he decided from the beginning of time before you ever did anything (laughs) that if you were born as his child that you would be worth that journey. I was on my way to Central Asia last month and um, to a very closed country and I was asking the Lord just to continue to give me revelation for how to share the concept of sonship when you're working with three different Bible translations, three different languages, and such a mix of cultures, it's hard to even know what story to begin with, okay? And he said to me to go back and read what the father spoke over him the day of his baptism. Do you all know what the, what it says that the the dove rested and a voice from heaven said what This this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? And I went back and I read that and Jesus said, did you ever notice that he said that before my first miracle? Did you ever notice that he said that before I preached the gospel for the first time? Did you ever notice that he said that before I did one thing in my ministry? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he said that's the secret of sonship is that if you can believe that the, that God is well pleased in you because you were born into his family before you do anything for him, your identity will never get destroyed by religion. And Your mission won't get into conflict with who you are. Your calling won't come into conflict with who you are. You won't find yourself someday trying to figure out if you did enough to get into heaven, or if you did enough to make him happy, or if because I made that choice yesterday, now he doesn't like me anymore. If you could see the truth, of his eyes when he looks at you. You would never, ever doubt again that what he says in the Bible is true, that when he says, I am love, and when he says, my love never fails, it actually means his love never fails. His love actually never fails. And when he says that his love endures forever and that it's steadfast. That it endures forever and it's steadfast. And all of this is about who he is and really has nothing to do with who you are other than the fact that he chose you. And somehow we get in these storylines where people... Or this voice in our head convinces us that we're not lovable or we haven't done enough or we made a mistake or we I didn't make the right choice at the right time and I missed the whatever. And we get convinced that because of that moment, now we're not quite so qualified for the blessings and the abundance and the love of God. And if I am just here to say, if you have ever heard this one time, in your entire life, you deserve to know that God loves you. He loves you with everything that he has and everything that he had to give, and he loves you with that love in your deepest, darkest moment, and he loves you with that same love in your highest pinnacle of all of your life, and neither of them have any bearing on the power of his love for you. Neither of them do. Because his love is not connected in any way to anything that you have ever done except said yes to him. That's it. The moment you said yes to him, you got it all. And he gave it to you before you even said it, not knowing if you would. He gave it to you before you said it, not knowing what you would choose. And we we live in a world it's like I will love you if it looks like you'll love me back. That is not our God. Our God says, I will I will lay down my life and I will give everything that I have, everything that I have inside of me to love you. And I don't even know the choice you're gonna make yet. That's what his love is like. And if the people of God <laughs> could give the revelation of that kind of love, we would be a different church. We would be a different bride. We would be a different body. Because that kind of love says, I can love you, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter how messed up you are right now. Because I know what the power of love does. The power of love transforms. The power of love transforms, and the power of love... T- call someone out of their deepest, darkest place into a place of family, into a place of acceptance, into a place of joy, and we don't have to wait until they get their stuff all put together before we start treating them that way, and we learn that because he first loved us, yeah, oh, Jesus. Jesus. I want to tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> he can be yours too, but right now I have the mic, so he's mine. <laughs> I have a really good morning. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take this off of. Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10 through 14. And I'm looking at it from the Passion Translation, but I'm just going to talk, so you may not be able to figure out. But if you are looking at that, you'll see. It's a beautiful passage because it's um, it's a moment where the Shulamite, the Bride of Christ finds herself um, well chapter 5 verse 10 is a beautiful passage the first half of chapter 5 is really not that fun she finds herself um, beat up by the people that she feels she's called to run with around her and she also finds herself in a really like that dark place where you just can't hear God's voice and you don't know what he's saying. And she doesn't think he's left her, but he's just silent. She doesn't she can't find him. He's just not right there. And anybody been there? You're feeling kind of beat up by man <laughs> and whoever you trusted they really hurt you. And in that moment, you're not hearing the voice of God. That The voice you're hearing is definitely not God's voice, and it's telling you all these things that you shouldn't listen to, that you're not good enough, that you don't matter, you know, all that. So that's the moment that she's in right here. And she says to the (laughs) brides-to-be, the people, the daughters of Jerusalem, the daughters of Zion, these are the ones that are, these are the people in your life that are kind of interested in that Jesus thing you have, but they're wondering if it's real. Okay, that's who these are. And she says to them... Where, if you see my beloved, would you tell him that I'm lovesick for him? And they're kind of mystified because they're like, aren't y'all beat up? <laughs> Don't you, you know, and they and and instead of responding to her circumstance, instead of using her voice to justify why this should have never happened to her, why she doesn't deserve. The da 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 da. Whatever your story is. It's not right. They shouldn't have treated me this way. I don't deserve that. She didn't say any of those things. What she said is, Let me tell you about my beloved. And in this in this section, she actually gives the most descriptive set of scriptures in the Bible about Jesus anywhere. The longest description about Jesus is right here. And it's from a place of her dark night of the soul. And she says... So I just want you to remember, she feels beat up and left alone and she can't hear his voice. And this is what she says. Did I tell you about my beloved? (laughs) He shines in dazzling splendor. (laughs) Yeah, he is so approachable. In um, regular, in an NIVSV, New King James will say something like, he is radiant and ruddy. And the word for radiant means infused with glory. It means he's divine, he's all God. And the word for ruddy is like um, like the name David, like he's all man. He's all God and he's all man. And so this is how she starts her description of her beloved. Did you know that my, that my Jesus, he's everything that is divine and he is everything that is man. He's everything that is man. You know what? He knows everything I'm going through right now because he has entirely walked the road of man. He knows every emotion. He knows every moment. He knows all of those feelings of failure. He knows all of those moments of being rejected, of being persecuted. All of it he knows. He's he's the God who left Heaven to dwell on this earth here with us and become dirt like a worm. Okay, he alone is my beloved. He shines in dazzling splendor, yet he is so approachable. He is without equal, he stands above all the others, outstanding among 10,000. He is without equal. Years ago, I was actually um, getting ready to go to lunch with someone who's very famous in my stream of um, Christianity and one of my personal heroes. And somehow, I ended up, you know, getting to go to lunch with this man because they were getting ready to start a school themselves. And amazingly enough, they stopped through Pasadena and decided to ask for our input about how we did it. It was such a shocking experience. I thought, why in the world would they ever talk to us? But I was a little awestruck, and, you know, I was sitting in my car outside of the restaurant (laughs) trying to get the nerve to go in and sit down. (laughs) And, and I was talking to Jesus about it, and Jesus said, what are you worried about? He goes, you know I'm like the most famous man on the planet, right? <laughs> he goes, you hang out with me every day. <laughs> he said, he's nowhere near as famous as I am. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, that's right. <laughs> every, every day I get to hang out with the most famous man in all of the universe and talk with him like he's my friend because he is my friend. And suddenly that guy was just another man sitting in another chair in another restaurant in another meeting And I remembered that there was one man that stands above all of the others who is chief among 10,000. <laughs> it says, the way he leads me is divine. His leadership is so pure and dignified as he wears his crown of gold upon his crown are letters of black written on a background of glory. Um, the way he leads me... <laughs> is so divine. This has taken me a while to understand. Um, I had a business degree. I used to actually be a business organizational consultant. And we were really great at writing these five-year plans and 10-year plans and strategic vision and whatever for an organization, right? And somehow, I kind of thought that the way God would lead me would be more along like one of those plans looked like. <laughs> um, where you know, you just like have this steady growth curve that you figure out on a Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> And um, I learned that when I really actually started following God's voice, I learned that sometimes He was He would actually put me in situations that are going to look like ten steps backward, so that He can shoot me out of a slingshot way forward. <laughs> you know, I learned that. Sometimes you've got, you know, you're like Joseph and you're called to lead a country and you end up in a pit. And then you end up in a prison. And then your way out is interpreting a dream. That looks nothing like the plan of leading a country. (laughs) He had all that skill set in there, you know. And his way out was interpreting a dream. One time, I was talking to the Lord. I was (laughs) in a situation. I wasn't very happy with how it was going, and I was praying that prayer that you pray, you know, for God's will to manifest in your life. Have you ever prayed that? Anybody pray that for his will? (laughs) And the Lord said to me, he broke in, and he said, yeah, he's like, Christina, you want my will, but you don't like my way. You want my will, but you do not like my way. He said, You don't want my way. And he said, But you're not going to get my will without my way. He said, Are you willing to do it my way? Whoa. <laughs> Just be careful when you pray that prayer. <laughs> Because I'm going to tell you, his way looks like going to (laughs) the bottom before you go to the top. And in a very bad day that I had, one time I was talking to my spiritual father, and he said, he said, rejection is promotion in the kingdom. (laughs) He said, this is what promotion looks like. And the way you're able to take care of your heart in this moment of rejection is going to determine your level of promotion and authority in the next season. They're directly linked. And he said, so get offended and defend yourself and stay at the same level you are. Or take care of this and honor men who don't deserve to be honored and I will promote you. That's, this is what the ways of Jesus look like, my friends. But somewhere in the middle of all of that, I got really excited because <laughs> I figured out, oh my goodness, in this moment in time, I'm able to be in a conversation with God that I've never been in before. And I'm getting revelation about who he is and about what he did on the cross and what it really meant and the thoughts that he had that I have never gone to in any other way. And then I started thinking, this, is a, this like, pit is really awesome because there's nobody down here except me and Jesus. <laughs> so now I, I think I'll just hang out here a while and y'all can go away. <laughs> Okay. That's my ch- my verse 11. <laughs> verse 12. He sees everything with pure understanding. What time am I supposed to finish? Do you, if I want to do ministry should I finish earlier than that? Okay. Are you going to play keys for me or something? Sing a nice song of songs love song to them? That would be great. Okay. <laughs> okay or i don't know even who was doing worship was it was it cameron it was you okay one good song of songs song to end this with okay maybe that one you wrote all right okay he sees everything with pure understanding how beautiful his insights without distortion his eyes rest upon the fullness of the river of revelation flowing so clean and pure There's a thousand things that I could say here, but I think I'll say this because I'll go back to the beginning. He sees everything with pure understanding. Can you receive that verse for yourself and let yourself be the everything in that verse? He sees you with pure understanding. His eyes rest upon you with a fullness of revelation, and they are flowing clean and pure. There is no judgment in his eyes. There is no question in his eyes. There is no, like, are you good enough? Are you going to make it? Are you somehow going to figure it out in his eyes? No matter what situation you find yourself, or even the mo- emotions that you find yourself having, you know, Emotions are not sin. He created them, and he experienced them all. And if you look just a little bit, you'll find that Jesus experienced all of them in Scripture. And if he experienced them and it says he did not sin, then they're not sin. It's what you do with the emotions that become sinful. Okay, so religion will try to tell you that to be sad or angry or whatever is sin. It's not sin. If it was, then Jesus sinned. It's clearly in Scripture that he had those feelings. And whenever we're in those moments, we don't want to look at him because it feels like we're not worthy of his love because we're having a bad day. If you, look, if you just spend five minutes with him in that moment and you let him look at you and you let yourself look at his eyes, what you're going to see is pure understanding. What you're going to see is a revelation river flowing towards you that is pure and clean. And you're going to see love in his eyes. That's what you're going to see. Look at his gentle face. I see it full of emotions like a lovely garden where fragrant spice grows what a man. <clears throat> Look at his gentle face. I see the such fullness of emotion. I think that was the thing that was the most overwhelming to me when I started having encounters with Jesus is I wasn't prepared for how emotional of a guy he is. (laughs) I really thought he was going to be a lot more serious. (laughs) He (laughs) He has a really abundant emotional life. And it's very vibrant. And he feels things deeply. He feels things deeply. And for all of the things that I've done every, you know, in every moment of a misstep or even, like, honestly... I'll I'll, I'll share this with you. After I started having these encounters, something occurred in my walk. It had to do with his way and his will and all of that good stuff. But I was not happy about it. And I was actually mad at Jesus for 10 months. And so, but... (laughs) I... I can't live outside of his presence. I don't know how. So I still had to go be with him every day. (laughs) Just like when you're married. (laughs) And you still got to get coffee in the kitchen together or whatever, but you're just stinking mad. (laughs) If you've been married, you felt that moment, right? So that's how I felt with Jesus. (laughs) So, but every day, I would see him, and I would be like, you know, I'm still really mad. And he'd go, I know. <laughs> never, ever faced him. He, he's so patient. It's crazy. He waited me out. <laughs> he waited me out, and he never told me, I don't want you to be mad. For 10 months, he never said to me, I don't want you to be mad. I'll tell you what he did tell me. He said, I don't want your madness to turn into unforgiveness. And every time my my anger started to turn into unforgiveness, he was right on top of that. And he said, we need to take care of this. Okay? But in 10 months, he never asked me to not be mad. And eventually, it took me some time, and I worked through those feelings. And you know, they didn't get buried down deep inside of me like some big old thorn that's going to fly up in my life later. So you have a God who is willing to go through to every depth of emotion that you need to go with him for as long as you need to go with him. When he says that my love is steadfast and it never fails, I love the way Passion Translation does First Corinthians. My love never fails. He says, My love never never stops loving. He loves you with a love that never stops loving. It's just not dependent on this stuff, okay? So I've seen I've seen so many emotions and if I try to tell the emotions that I've seen on Jesus in the spirit, usually people just get offended at me. When the first time that I saw him being really funny, um, we were singing like I don't know—it was some dorky worship song, and it sounded like—if um, I really think about it now, it kind of sounded like an '80s musical, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And and Jesus. So we were but we weren't singing in a dorky way. We were just, you know, like all in. But I started to see Jesus in front of me and he started doing like the music dance, like the if he was in a Broadway show and he started doing the dance and he would like sit on the throne and put on the crown. (laughs) And I started laughing really hard because it was so funny. And then I tried to tell the people I was singing the song with what I was seeing, and they got really offended at me. And that was the end of the worship night. (laughs) and then I didn't tell them any of those visions anymore for a while but then eventually I did (laughs) but I'll just just say that most likely (laughs) the abundance of his emotion that he has inside is really more than you're going to know what to do with and it's going to feel a little bit not politically correct and it's not going to feel religiously correct It's not gonna fit very well in our the way we do things, okay? He does not fit well in any box that you put him in. Okay, I'm carrying forward. What a man, no one speaks words so anointed as this one, words that both pierce and heal Words like lilies dripping with myrrh. I found that a conversation with Jesus is more like, oftentimes it's like he says a sentence, and then I wrestle with that sentence for a month. Because if you've experienced, if you've taken the time, take the time, To learn the personality of the Father, the personality of the Holy Spirit, the personality of Jesus. If you want to have a long, drawn-out conversation, the Holy Spirit is the one to do it with. Straight up. Holy Spirit can sit there and meander with you through all of your thoughts, every direction, and just keep talking about it from 50 different angles. He's been doing that with people for a long time. (laughs) Jesus is the word, and he's the living word, and he is the rhema word. And anything that comes out of the mouth of Jesus into your life, you now are accountable for and you hold. Okay, So when you you strike up a conversation with him and you say, I want to hear what you think, you're talking to the living Word of God, whose words have creative power, whose His words released on this earth created everything that we see, breathe, hear, know, everything. And with the creative power of His words, it's really not that helpful for Him to give you 50 things to try to hold. <laughs> okay. So what I find is that he will give you very simple things, and it will be like one sentence, but it's a sentence that it pierces and it heals. It's a sentence that's like He—it's like a two-edged sword, and it just, like, divides your heart and finds that spot in there and pulls it out, <laughs> puts it back together, <laughs> okay? And that's what an encounter with the Word of God, Jesus, does. And with the Word of Jesus... It gives you an anointing. Everything that he says has an anointing upon it to accomplish his word. Because he is Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus the Christ, it means the anointed one. And so everything that he speaks comes with, within it, within the words themselves, the anointing to carry them out. So whenever you have a phrase or a word from God, you have to hold it for as precious as it is because it has the creative power of the universe on it. And every word that he gives is like a promise that, create, that brings heaven into reality, that, that takes something that's in the heart of God in heaven, and it creates it into first heaven, into reality. That's what his words do. Hebrews says that the book of Hebrews starts out with, I used to, in the Old Testament, I used to come as and speak to you through prophets. And prophets would bring a word of God to man. But after Jesus, now I speak to you through my son. And in Passion Translation, it says, I speak to you in the language of a son. And it it's... The language of God to man is the life of Jesus. It's who he is. And we need to let... I, and I, I teach, as a as school superintendent of ministry, I teach people how to prophesy. And, you know, in, elsewhere in... The New Testament says every single one of you needs to know how to prophesy, and you should be doing it, okay? But you can't get your theology from a prophetic word from another person. When you are in the new covenant, your identity, everything, you, what the, the, most, the most powerful word in your life that you need to let speak to your life is the word Jesus, And all that he is. And we we need to let the son, the son of God, the son of man, prophesy himself to us. Into our identity. See how his hands hold unlimited power. He never uses it in anger, for he is always wholly displaying his glory. His innermost place is a work of art so beautiful and bright. How magnificent and noble is this one covered in majesty. Last month I was in Central Asia and I was, we're working with a a movement that is starting in a closed country and I am working with them to help release the power of the Holy Spirit into the movement as it's taking off. And As I was meeting with their leaders, their local leaders, and we were praying, and this is like what every past, like every, how do I say this? If you're praying for the Holy Spirit to come into something, this is like everyone's dream this moment. (laughs) I actually missed it, and I didn't know what happened, and then they had to tell me like five minutes later what happened. It's probably good, (laughs) but... As I was praying for them to experience the Acts 2, Acts 4 encounter of the Holy Spirit into their movement, there was actually an earthquake. And one guy started like pouring sweat because f- he was just like sitting here like normal, like I'm fine. And then 10 seconds later, he has sweat pouring down his face. And his whole, everything is just like turning to water. Because he's like, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. There's so much fire. (laughs) And then one of the girls, the ladies, (laughs) they call her the apostle of the women. She um, opened up her hands, and you could see rays of like light coming out of her hands. And I I said, open your eyes, can you see it? (laughs) Because she had everyone had their eyes closed (laughs) It's like, can you see it? And the translator's like, I see it. I see it. <laughs> even in that meeting, the Southern Baptists received the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. Okay. His power, you know, we talk about it, but I don't think we're even ready for it. If he actually did the things that I'm expecting, come on. Okay. Verse 15, he is steadfast in all that he does. His ways are the ways of righteousness based on truth and holiness. None can rival him, but all will be amazed by him. Most sweet are his kisses, even his whispers of love. He is delightful in every way and perfect from every viewpoint. If you ask me why I love him so, O brides-to-be, it's because there is none like him to, to me. Everything about him Fills me with holy desire. And now he is my beloved and he is my friend. Oh, you can start playing. And I'm going to keep talking. Just... He is altogether lovely. That phrase, it means that he's all my desires. Everything that I've ever desired, everything that I've ever hoped for, any place that I've ever had an empty spot inside of my soul, he's the one that can fill that. He's all of my desires wrapped up in one. Everything that I've looked for in a husband, in, a, in an experience with a best friend, in an experience with a lover, in, a, in, in an experience in family, everything that I have needed to fill that void inside that says I'm not loved enough. He is all of those things. And he will be all of those things to you if you let him. He wants to ravish you with a kiss of heaven. I, I love this song that we sing. Sometimes it's like, um, what is that song? Let him love me, let him love me. Like I like am a tree and he's a hurricane or something. You guys have oh, sang yeah. that song, right? Did you ever like stop and think about what happens to a tree in a hurricane? (sighs) It doesn't, because they sing it so nice. I am a tree, you're a hurricane. (laughs) He loves how he loves me. kiss of God on your life is going to look a lot like a hurricane hitting hitting a tree and if your roots are deep you're going to stay planted and you're not going to go anywhere and you're going to come out fresh in a new day, in a new season with a new power with a deeper revelation of love If you don't know Jesus, Clark and Tiffany, can you wave, they all know who you are, the people who gave the announcements with the ax and not the ax, (laughs) and the cheese and wine. (laughs) If you don't know Jesus, and you want to know the Jesus that I know, I want you to go to them, and they will pray with you, and they will bring you into this family, and it will be done. And you will start this journey. I don't we all stand up? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And then we'll close. Lord, I just... Jesus' words are so inadequate to in any way describe who you are. We do not even have language in English or in any other existing language to actually describe who you are. And Lord, even on my best day, I am fully inadequate to describe who you are. And I pray for a transaction in the Spirit, for an encounter in the Spirit, today or in some moment in this life of every person in this room, that they will see you fully face to face, not after they die. Why do we have to wait till then? (laughs) Now they will see you and that you will be revealed to them in all of your glory, in all of your splendor, in all of your love, in all of your holiness, in all of your wonder, in your radiance and in your readiness, in your manliness and your godliness and your divinity, Lord, that each soul in here would experience that. Jesus' name.